Welcome to the Empower to Connect podcast, where we come together to discuss a healing-centered approach to engagement and well-being for ourselves, our families, and our communities. I'm J.D. Wilson, and I'm your host, and today on the show, we are going to talk about one of the most requested topics that ever comes up when we are doing an ETC parenting class, and that is consequences. Uh, this will, just to, for clarity, be the first of lots of episodes where we will have to cover and unpack all of the conversation around what uh, consequences are, when they should be used, um, and all of the different tools we've got in our tool belt to be able to avoid using those. But today we wanted to get the conversation started with a big picture overview of what it means and what it looks like uh, to think about how we use consequences in our care of our kids. And so uh, we've got Becca McKay on the show today who is uh, new new again to our team, and she'll explain what she's doing and where she's been for the last uh, a few years and the kind of work that she's been doing, which has been very exciting. Uh, and Tana Ottinger is also there with us. And so uh, jump in with us and join the ride as we talk about consequences with Becca McKay, Tana Ottinger, and myself. Well, as we talked about in the open, uh, we've got a brand new team member here today with us. Um, and so uh, Becca McKay is back with us. Uh, you might have remembered her from uh, the Back to School episode last year around this time. And so uh, we now have the, the privilege, the honor of having Becca on our team with us. Um, and so Becca, first of all, we're glad to have you. Tana is also here and Tana, we're glad to have you too. Uh, Becca, why don't you kind of, if you will, just share with us real briefly what you're doing with ETC and kind of bring everybody up to speed. Absolutely. Um, It is so good to be here. I was at Memphis Family Connection Center back in the very beginning, whenever we were still moving into our first space as a kid therapist and a program specialist. Then I spent a couple of years working as a school counselor and working in a behavior office, implementing some restorative practices in the schools. And um, Mo and Tana graciously invited me to come back So my new role here at Empowered to Connect is as a program manager, and I'm working on content creation, training needs, just trying to help us get Empowered to Connect, the things that we've learned over the years, out to more people. Awesome. Well, uh, I, I'm yeah. sorry. Like, yeah, I'm just, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, right. JD's like seeing me like my, I can't contain my excitement. Um, I just am like, Literally, it was like Christmas morning when Becca said she would sort of come back to us. You know, there was this like coming home moment in my life. Um, So I'm just so excited, Becca, to like share you back with the world in this new role with the organization. I know if they've listened to the previous episodes, they've gotten to hear from you. But um, we're in for a treat today. And I will just publicly on the podcast tell the whole world what I tell you every day, which is like... I am so excited to be working with you again. So <laughs> thank you so um, much. Yeah, like thrilled. Thank, thank you. Yeah, thrilled to uh, So today we're going to talk about something lighthearted, easy to navigate, and um, it's not yeah. complex at all. We're talking about consequences. And uh, so you may have tuned in today because you were like, oh, thank God, we can finally learn how to yeah. give consequences and just to be done with this long, drawn-out process of restoring uh, relationship once we have a rupture in it. And I would say, um, you know, mm. you should still listen, listen, listen up today. Um, and we're going to walk through it because uh, this is maybe the number one thing that is brought up when people come into the ETC parent training courses. Um, and so all, all three of us have been a part of teaching these courses before. And what inevitably happens is there's somebody that you see develop the nervous tick in the, the you know first class and they're just sitting there kind of arms crossed like, all right, but when can I ground somebody? Like, when can I send them to their room? Like, how, you know, let me know, give me a list of consequences and then I'll just be, get out of your hair. I'll, I'll be gone. Um, so Tana, why don't we kind of start today by just framing the the way that ETC approaches consequences and the way we talk about that just to set the stage for our conversation. Yeah, I mean, I think I feel like I need to just say that, like, I kind of want to just back away from this episode right now. Like, I, I'm, I'm here because it's important to be here. Yeah. Um, but this is a hard conversation. And um, it's a hard conversation for me because I like easy answers. I like yeah. things that make sense. I like structure. I like to know that like, if I do A, B will happen. And um, in parenting, this has been one of the most nuanced and 
oftentimes a place I feel inadequate and confused and uncertain and insecure. Um, And a lot of, um, if I think back to those early years of parenting, a lot of shame and regret. So thinking about consequences makes me uncomfortable in my own body. I do not want to be here right now. I am here because we need to talk about this and we need to talk about this in a way that is honest and helpful and um, where we can like hold space to just speak out loud when we are trying to build relationships. And we actually need to do that while parenting. Consequences are a huge thing we need to figure out. Mm-hmm. And we need, we do need to have some kind of like consequence theology, if you, if you, for lack of a better word, or consequence philosophy. Like yeah. who are we as a family when we think about consequences? How do I feel about them as a person? How did I experience them growing up? How have they impacted who I am? How have I distributed them in ways, like I just said, that make me feel so much regret in my early years of parenting? And then what do I kind of do now? So mm-hmm. I just, you know, this is such a light topic. I just thought I would come to you very honest and wow. say, this is a hard conversation. Yeah. And I'm here yeah. because we need to be here. But I would love to just be like, and you'll have a happy weekend, <laughs> you know, or whatever, and just be done with this meeting right now. So, um, yeah, that's where I am. Just a little check-in, Becca. I think too, um, you know, JD, you said first night of ETC Connect course, everybody wants to talk about consequences. And yep. even I'm not a parent, but I have worked with kids for a long time. So I think if you're an adult who's working with kids, it's like, you want to know what to do. Like, what am I supposed to do when yep. the wheels fall off the bus? And so I yeah. think that we we end up at this place of, what, well, what about consequences? Because like Tana said, it's kind of buttoned up and clean and, you know, A plus B equals C every time. Yeah. And yeah. we've heard we're supposed to be consistent. And so no matter what we've learned about parenting, about teaching, about anything, we've heard be consistent, be consistent. So it feels like consequences are the answer to that question. Um, And like Tana spoke to, it's just so much more complicated than that. Kids are so much more complicated than that. And the way that they learn is so much more complicated than that. But I do think that we come to it because we want the best for kids. Like we, we want to know about consequences because we want to do right and we want to help them learn and grow. So I think, all adults. We just have to, you know, we just got to name it. We, we want kids to thrive. And so the question is, how do we do that? Yeah. Well, there's going to be a segment of our audience that comes in here and is like, all right, let's see what they have to say about this. Like, I, you know, I, I, I bet they're going to be too harsh about this, whatever. And there's another segment coming in, like you people are, this is not that hard. Like, Kids yeah. Max's brother, like you'd put him in timeout, like this is it. Like so I think we need to kind of kind of walk into why we are talking and prefacing so much about consequences. Why don't we start there? So yeah, yeah. When we're trying to parent in a way based yeah. on a relationship with with trust as a as a central factor there in connection, um, why why do we at ETC tend to say we need to hold consequences until much later in the process than traditional parenting would say? Yeah, I, I think it comes, you sort of boil it down to, there's this big umbrella and I literally could say, hey, the most important thing about consequences is know your kid. And like, yeah. we could hit stop record and the episode could be over, but that yeah. isn't super helpful. Like we do need a little, let's flesh it out a little bit more. Yeah. So when we think about consequences are happening in a relationship between you and your kid and we value relationship as primary and we want to help our kids like there is behavior like because they're little humans like Mm -hmm. there's behavior that they are doing that may or may not be beneficial to them or others or you know property or the people in their little lives or their friends or siblings like there is oftentimes behavior demonstrated that's likely very child like on a development it's appropriate Let me just look at child development and go, this is kind of appropriate for this age. They're trying this thing out. They're learning this new skill. They're figuring out how to be autonomous. They're attempting to negotiate their needs with whatever tools and strategies they have. Like there's all kinds of reasons for behavior, but sometimes it's coming off in a way that isn't 
the right thing for the moment, them or others. So what do we do right there? Mm -hmm. So to frame it from an empowered to connect way, I would say a couple of things are important. One, we kind of believe in this like connect to be, I mean, correct to behavior while staying connected or connect to behavior and build connection. Or if you correct a behavior and break connection, let's get back to repair because we're not always going to do it always perfect. But if relationship is the primary um, goal, then connection's part of it. So we can, I mean, a correction's part of it. So we can correct without breaking trust, without breaking felt safety, without breaking attachment. It's part of it. But it is not, it does not come natural. So we have like, I think part of the reason I do get so like, oh, the consequences is so hard to talk about. It's because we're asking each other to do something kind of hard. Mm-hmm. Like, wait, let's, let's correct behavior in like a way that probably is not how we experience it ourselves. Is probably not how you naturally want to and is like a commitment for the long haul because what we want and need often is the behavior to change right now in this moment for any number of reasons. Something's going awry and you need something to change right now and it is more nuanced and complex than threats and consequences to stop a behavior in the moment and we'll talk some more about that I'm sure but The big ETC way would be how do we approach this behavior, stay connected, build connection, or oops, we broke it, let's repair it. Yeah. So, you know, Becca, you're going to, you're coming out of a perspective where um, consequences aren't allowed to be as, uh, as nuanced and free because if you're in a school setting or if you're in like a you know, after school program setting or something like that where you are working with kids in a structured setting where you've got a lot of kids under your care. You said before you recorded, like, y'all are talking about, you know, dealing with like four or five or six kids. Like we were dealing with 30 at a time. So uh, why don't you kind of frame for people like in this, you know, mindset of restorative practices in schools, how, how do you guys approach that there for those that might be listening, wanting to have some nuance in their school discussions? Sure. I think it comes back to what Tana just said, which is that restorative is about relationship. And so before you, you know, before you ever get to a consequence, you've got to have a relationship with the kids in your classroom or your school setting or your after school or your daycare or your home, right? You've got to have a relationship. You've got to have clear structures in place that everybody knows, that everybody's aware of. You can't surprise people with stuff. Mm -hmm. And then when you do have to kind of hold boundaries, um, like Tana said, the goal is always to get back to connection. And so a huge part of restorative practices is we want to repair relationships. And the goal is not when so-and-so does something wrong, um, let's punish them so that they'll never do it again. The goal is how do we get so-and-so back in relationship with the classroom, with me as the adult in the room, with, you know, how do we help them to feel welcome? And so restorative practices does not mean you just let, and and what Tana's talking about does not mean you just let kids continue on with behavior that's really dangerous or destructive or hurtful. That's not what it means. Um, But if our goal, and this is something I wanted to say when Tana was talking, was if our goal is just compliance and be quiet and stop, Shame and blame and punishment can actually, you know, quote unquote, work. They can't. So they do. They do work in the moment. We scare, yeah, yeah we can scare totally. a kid into stopping. Yep. But I think that what's important for us to say in this really nuanced conversation is that if our only goal is stop doing that, then I think we would all be like, okay, great, we got our list of threats. Let's go. Like, let's just threaten right. kids and scare them, and they'll straighten up over time. And yep. sometimes that really works, but. Our goal is kids who are connected to us as the adults and can have positive relationships with kids and can have positive relationships with other people and can have those like intrinsic skills, right? Like self-control, handling challenges and disappointments, doing hard things. So it's just a lot more complicated. That was a little bit off of what you originally asked me, but it all works together. It's all about relationship and repair. Yeah. So I think it might be good for us to make a distinction as we're sort of 
at the beginning of the conversation. And that's that like, there's kind of two types of consequences. There's natural consequences, and then there's like logical or adult slash parent directed consequences. So kids experience oftentimes a natural consequence for a behavior. Mm-hmm. And that, that we can, we can talk about those for a little bit. And then I think it's important to sort of say, okay, but what about those adult directed, you know, logical or parent directed consequences that happen? So why don't we talk for just a few minutes about natural? Like what are some natural consequences? Becca, does something come to your mind? Sure. So um, I was in a Montessori school. So if you get a pitcher too full of water and you drop it, it's glass and it's going to break. So that's yep. a natural consequence. Yep. So in that type of an environment, in that type of a situation, you know, and I think you didn't name the third type of consequence, which we would not want to use, which is a punitive consequence. Oh, well, so in that moment, I think you have a choice as an adult. Yeah. I think you can choose to punish the kid for breaking the vase. That's a punitive consequence. We don't want to do that. Um, the natural consequence is it broke. A logical solution would be, hey, let's help clean it up. Um, so that's not adding punishment on top of what has already happened, right? Like it's already broken. And so we can help the kid learn how to like, let's clean it up. That's a consequence of a behavior, but it's not punitive. Does that make sense? Yeah, I do think mostly in the parenting world, we think about natural as part of what you just described as logical. So I think maybe in the Montessori world, I might split that out a little bit differently because in our world of just the parenting ETC kind of, traditionally what we've talked about is like the cleaning it up is still part of the natural consequence. Mm. The logical is the punitive. Typically it's like, well, now this extra thing's going to have to happen to you and we're going to do something now. You're going to have a, you know, a timeout or you're going to have a grounding or you're going to have something removed. You never use that vase ever again. Yeah. 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 So I think that, um, yeah, like it's logical is kind of nat. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Maybe Mm. there's this like logical piece that's natural, just that, the thing that's happened that you now logically have to do, or it can be parent directed slash punitive. Yeah. JD, did you have something? Yeah. Uh, Becky, you mentioned, well, we we obviously don't want to use punitive consequences, but why? Well, yeah, there we go. Yeah. I mean, okay. So Becky, you have a thought then I can jump in. Um, Well, I think it's, it's not about the relationship at that point. We want to believe that kids learn through punishment. And a lot of us were raised that way. And we just have learned over time that that's not the only way um, that kids learn. And it's not the best way that kids learn. So we kind of talk a little bit about these three D's and three C's. So when we think about consequences, I mean, there's all kinds of different ways we can structure this, but something to keep in mind is if the goal, let's, let's back up a minute. If the goal is changed behavior, Many of us come into parenting and all, or caregiving or teaching or educating, and all we have is consequences. Right. The threat of harm or logical slash punitive consequences is the only thing that is our way to stop them. Mm-hmm. And what we want to be thoughtful about is threats and fear-based punitive consequences do not build felt safety, connection, attachment, and trust. So we think about if, if there's something going on, we want at the end of the exchange or the end of the situation or the end of the place that a consequence had to happen, logical, natural, or punitive, for there to be three Cs. We want change, the behavior to change. And we'll talk about some more of that in a minute. We want there to be connection between the adult and the child. And we want there to be contentment, like emotional contentment on both sides. If we use punitive consequences, typically we are landing at the behaviors just deferred. It's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. It's it didn't, you didn't actually change the behavior by meeting the need, supporting a new skill being developed, giving them an alternative option. Like, hey, Bubby, when you're disappointed, you don't have to do this. I'm going to support you enable, and enable you to do this. Like, you, they need a replacement behavior. And punitive consequences do not give the replacement option. They just 
punish them for the only thing they knew to do in the moment or however their little bodies or emotions responded. So you're deferring it to later. Didn't help them grow. There's no growth happening there. There's shame, blame, and sorrow and sadness, which means that there's disconnection. So that's our second D. There's, I mean, y'all know, you know this, like if you have been hard on your kid, you know, they do not feel connected to you. There is relational disconnection Mm -hmm. when we are punitive and when we consequence in a punitive and harsh way, there's just disconnection. Um, And then there's discontentment. Look, you might feel content. You might feel better because, you know, I don't have a kid named Johnny, but little Johnny did that. And little Johnny better not do that. And little Johnny's going to get this. And little Johnny's going to get that. And you, you know, you distribute that consequence and you might walk away feeling, you know, content, but does Johnny feel content? I'm guessing not. So, (laughs) And I would say this, for, for me, the light bulb came on when, you know, I, you know, just forgive me. I mean, just the way that I grew up, the way my brain naturally worked, the way I was parented and, and our community was parented growing up, like, you know, all of these reasons so far, I would have heard kind of the muttering, like, we don't care about that. Like, of course, it's going to be discontent, man, broke TV or whatever. Like, so <laughs> I, I think where the light bulb came on for me is that, uh, you know, we're trying to what is the goal of parenting, right? Like the goal of our parenting is that we are hoping that when our kids are ready to leave the house, they know how to make wise decisions. They know how to navigate the world. They know how to negotiate to get their needs met. And they're they're ready to uh, be as independent as they're able to be out kind of in the world. And if I break a picture in the class and then I'm all of a sudden like, you know, <laughs> locked in solitary class confinement for that or whatever, like sent away or whatever. Well, I don't, like, I don't really learn the natural consequence. If I break a picture in my house one day, like, well, I have to clean the picture up. I have to buy a new picture. I have to like clean all the water up and stuff. And, and I don't really learn how to like do anything differently the next time to not break the picture until it happens to me in a setting where I don't have someone over me kind of taking care of it. So instead, like, you know, the, the reason that we're like delaying consequences, the reason we're not wanting to use them punitively in moment, like in our house, I'll say, is that we want our kids to understand like this behavior was wrong. Here's why it was wrong. And here's the right way to do this next time. So that the next time there's a little bit of muscle memory and we'll start to talk about redos in a minute and kind of what, what, you know, why we use those. But there's this muscle memory that starts to be built of like, I did this, I got stopped and, and brought back. Then I did it the right way and I realized, oh, like that's way easier. Like I can do that. So now when, you know, I, something goes wrong in, in life, like, and I, and I think about this, I think about if I'm, if I'm learning how to drive and I'm out driving on my own and I see a puddle of water, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be fun. I'm gonna splash the water. I love the water going up on both sides. Well, then I hydroplane and wreck the car. If my, you know, parents come and I'm just punished by, you are never driving again. Like this car is, you know, it's blah, 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 blah. like, and, I, and I'm just sent into like a, punished place for it. Well, like I'm going to eventually be driving again at some point and see water again. I'm not going to have any idea of why I made that mistake and how to correct it the next time when I go through. Whereas what I would hope we could do without have the patience to do is say, okay, here's, here's what happens when you drive into the water this way. Here's how you drive through water safely next time. Why don't we go together and try this for a minute so we kind of get a hang, a hang of it. And next time that you're driving in the rain, you're not going to feel so nervous or scared because this thing happened last time. And obviously, I think that that example kind of translates over a, cro- a couple of different areas. I think you brought up something that's. Oh, go ahead, Becca. Did you have something? Yeah, I was going to say you're you're speaking about a natural consequence there in a really helpful way. If you drive silly through water, you're going to hydroplane. Yeah. So I'll use myself as an example. When I was probably in like second grade, the rule was you don't lean back in your chair. And that was a rule at school. And the teachers got tired of telling us to stop leaning back in our chair. Well, one time I started to go. And so I leaned forward to try to catch myself, banged my head on a desk and had a cut on my head. So I think in that moment, my teacher had a choice, right? They had told us a million times to stop leaning in your chairs. So in that moment, now that I'm an adult, I can imagine the frustration that that teacher felt. Because they had told Lil Becca a million times, stop leaning in the chairs. And that teacher had a choice in that moment. That was a natural consequence for my behavior. 
And so they could have said, you're going to not be able to sit in a chair for a month. You're going right, to stand right. up because that's that's a, that would be a punitive consequence. But instead, they showed me empathy. They took me to the nurse. My natural consequence was I had to wear a Band-Aid on my head in school. And that was embarrassing. Oh, my head hurt like crazy. And so and my head hurt and it was painful. And so I think, you know, to your point, Tana, about the confusion between natural and logical, totally get where you're coming from there. And I think JD gave a good example. And I think as adults, when kids experience natural consequences, when they experience the, the results of their behavior, then you have a choice as an adult of how you're going to engage with that kid. And it, she could have, you know, my teacher could have got on me because I did break a rule, but she didn't. She showed me empathy, took me to the nurse. And guess what Becca has never done even to this day? I don't lean in chairs anymore. Oh, I know. I think, I think you bring up a good point, which is this this presents itself all the time. This is all this 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 little choice, that little moment of choice. Yep. Of and it's a split second. And I don't. I mean, I'm just gonna be honest. My natural wiring is not to towards empathy. I have mm-hmm. like practiced that skill. Yeah. yeah my yeah. natural wiring is to remind them of what I told them and this is why that happened yeah. and like give them a little mini lecture. Mm-hmm. And that's just but my your head hurts, one. doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> if you'd done what I said, I did tell you to stop running. I did right. tell you that was, you know, like I just want to like do it and it's golly molly, it's not helpful. It is not helpful. Like everything that they needed to experience has been experienced. Prioritize relationship. Right. Which is built through empathy. Let them take a little minute in their very young brain or teenage brain or, you know, now you, as they get older, you can say to them, um, would you like to talk about like the results of that and how are you feeling? Like, let's, let's say that they are, you know, doing something with their peers. Let's say you've got a teenager and they are, you know, making some decisions with peers that could impact them in some way. You know, and they come home and they're disappointed about it. Um, and they're kind of talking as they often as teenagers do, yanging about whatever happened or giving you the scoop or updating you or whatever. I so badly, my, my natural tendency is to be like, so how's that working for you? Like in some like real kind of like, just stick it to them kind of way. It's not yeah. great. But if I can just slow down and be like, you know, babe, do you want to talk about that? Like, how do you guys think you got here? Like, sometimes you need to like gently have a conversation with them to help them unravel that like this might be a natural consequence to some of the decisions that you've made. But you can do that in a way that like will help them want to return to you for more self-discovery. Yeah, yeah. Does that, does well, that make, am I saying that in a way that makes sense? hundred percent. And I think here's my moment, like we have in every episode where I can just like <laughs> say, I, I don't like this way of doing things because my pride and my own insecurities, like I, I tend to go if, if our kid has a failure of some sort or a mistake or an accident or whatever, I tend to immediately look around and be like, well, that, you saw that he was leaning back. Like I told him not to do, like I, I've already, I've told him not to like, because my insecurity is like, you dummy, how could you let your kid like fall back in the chair like that? Or how could you let your kid like, you know, throw this or that or break break this or have this accident? And I I tend to revert back to my own childhood some and like don't look around and be like, well, that's not my fault. That's not my fault. Like I, I told them that they didn't need to because the implications are like, my kid's hurt and it's my fault because I should have told them better. Or like, I need them to remember, like, this isn't on dad. Like, I don't want you to think that I was doing, I did my job. Like I told you and you didn't listen. This is your fault. Like, and even as I'm saying that you can hear the childishness in that line of thought. And so it's not, I don't bring that up to shame anybody, but like, I've had to do the own work myself to go, okay, well, when I'm an adult, like that's kind of my filter for these situations. When, when I'm, I'm an adult, which may not be every day, but when I am, <laughs> when I, when I, like, if I can be today, if I can adult today, what then what? For example, I'm alone in my life. If I if I am leaning back too far in my chair and I smack my head on the desk, I'm just gonna have a terrible headache and I'm gonna have to deal with the consequences of that. But there's not gonna be somebody who pops in the office to be like, "Look, you leaned back too much, and now yeah. your coffee maker's gone." 
no more coffee maker for you in this room because you just, you can't handle yourself. Like, mm-hmm. and so like the, I, I, I'm free to lean back in my, as an adult, I am free to lean back in my chair. Wow. And what's going to happen is if I lean back too far, I'm going to fall and I'm going to bust my head open. So like, if I'm free to learn that as an adult, then what my job needs to be as a parent is to like help give safe guidelines, mm-hmm. but not guideline in a helicopter and hover to death so that my kids are unable to make any mistakes on their own. Like it is painful to watch yeah. your kids make mistakes. It's painful to watch them fail. It's painful to watch them, you know, come in with scraped elbows because they tried to, you know, build a ramp. This is a hypothetical, build a ramp in the backyard and the dirt bike went off the wrong side of it, whatever. Like, you know, like it's, it's painful to watch that stuff happen. But if we don't allow those experiences and kind of act as guides through those experiences and help them discover the logical patterns to like better decision-making in the future, then we're going to build a dependency within our kids to need someone to hover over them, telling them what to do to be successful adults. And that's a dangerous territory to be in. I mean, JD, you started that off and like everything in me was just like, yes, 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 yes. Because it you, you were so vulnerable about saying so often it's because we're so mixed up in it. Yeah. Totally. We're so mixed up in it. And it's hard for us to like, like be autonomous from our child in that moment to offer them like healthy, thoughtful guidance really is what yeah. it's about. And, yeah. and it often does not need anything more to what Becca's point being. Like it doesn't need that punitive Right. Consequence to follow up on it. They, I, I think about, um, and this might be taking us in a little bit of a way. So we can go there if we need to, or we can back up from it. But uh, I had a, one of our kiddos came home a couple days ago and um, said that they had had a little bit of a hard time. They asked if um, if the um, behavior sheet had come home from school yet. And I'm like, oh, that's because there's going to be a little conduct work on there, you know? And um, I was like, well, which one, love? Because they, they, they've gotten some marks, but like, I'm like, well, they dealt with it at school. Like sure. it's happened a week and a half ago by now. It's, we're right. good. They're, they haven't right. gotten them. We're good. So anyway, there must've been something. And I'm like, well, sweetie, there's like something happened. There's something you want to tell me about, you know? And they start talking about a situation at school that happened like the day before. And first of all, the kid brought it up. So they're going to get some praise from me because there was no hiding. They weren't trying to get one by on me. And and the fact that they brought it up showed me, I could be curious about, they're they're obviously anxious. Mm -hmm. They are worried in their little spirit and heart about what might happen when I actually do get that report. Mm -hmm. So they have risked coming to me in a moment of anxiety. They've opened the door for to, for me to sort of respond in a way that's going to keep that relationship going into the future. I know I have young adults now, so I know there's like some magic juju when they're little to lay that foundation. So they'll still come to you when they're adults. Yeah. So this is like, I'm in the middle of doing the dishes, but this is like sacred, holy moment when kid is ready to talk to me about something that happened at school brought up on their own. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm taking a, taking a beat, turning around and saying, well, what happened, love? Do you want to tell me about it? And they did. They unfolded it and they had, you know, done some, n- nothing horrible. They were just being a kid in the moment. So they explained it to me. And, you know, I said, well, honey, what happened? Well, wait, I had to sit in time out, which would be if we want to talk about the school in a minute, right? At mm-hmm. school, the consequent structure is there's, there's, you know, they're doing some things in school to manage behavior. So in some regard, I could say you did that at school. So the natural consequence, although it's logical at school, sure, the natural sure. consequence was you had to sit in time out because that's what happened at school. And those were the, those were the boundaries you were operating under. Right. So now mm-hmm. I'm separate from school and I'm home a day and a half later. What do I do now? I have a choice to make. And JD, I felt like you did. I was like, oh man, my kid was the disruptive one on the sports field. Cause it, I was like, I was like, we're, my first thought wasn't, what do I need to do here? My first thought was, do I need to email the coach? Do I need to call the coach? Because I'm feeling like, what did they think about me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It, we are so mixed up in it. So I like was like, take a deep breath, Tana. It's like no big deal. Just calm down. And you know, we worked through there was no more consequence at home. There didn't need to be. It was dealt with at school. Like right. they had a little time out at school. They came to me. We worked through it. Relationship was built. 
you know, I'm like, Bob, what do you think you might want to do next time differently? You know, why do you think you did that? Like, we just were curious about it together. And then I said, do you feel okay? And he said, I think I feel fine. I'm like, high five, go on, buddy. Like, yep. yeah. Th- these are the actual moments when we do not know what to do with ourselves as parents. We are sitting there going, well, I don't know. They didn't, and they shouldn't do it at school. Now, do they need a consequence? Do they need something more? I mean, this is the hard part of it. This is why it's so nuanced. Mm-hmm. I know that kid. Yeah. And yeah. I know that kid's brain. And I know if he's thinking about it, it's it's got some anxiety and fear connected to it. So my job is, was it dealt with? Yes. Create safe space, yes. Give my full attention, diffuse fear, make sure we're okay, go to bed restful, all is well. We're good here, bubs. Like, so it's just nuanced. And that right there happens over and over and over and over again on rinse and repeat all the live long days of parenting. Um, Yeah. Why don't we kind of start rounding third and, and head for home with some practical kind of ideas? Now, we if you've if you've taken the ETC parent course, you know, this is kind of where we get into the levels of engagement conversation and redirection of behavior and all that. We don't have time in this episode to go through that full, you know, that full yeah. deal, but we will in the future. So why don't we talk about one one real simple practice we have in ETC and talk about redos and why we choose to kind of encourage those so much and and why that can be important. We talked on it a little bit, but why don't we talk about that, um, Tana? Yeah, sure. I will say, I do think we have an episode on the ideal response, which they might want to go back and grab. So we could link that in the show notes, which would give some of those like levels of response when you're correcting behavior, which would be good. Um, So when we think about sort of the redo and how it's connected to consequences, Mm-hmm. So you have to, it's like a, you have to use it gingerly works for some kids, not for others. Some, yeah. sometimes it's super shaming. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's really helpful. Again, know your child, know the kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we have six kids. Redos work for some and absolutely do not work for the others. But the point of the redo, the heart behind <laughs> it is muscle motor memory, which you said earlier, JD. And it's, and it's like a pathway for success. Mm-hmm. It's to create a little mini experiment where the the child did something they shouldn't have done, and now they have an opportunity to practice doing that in a way that gives them in real time success and allows praise and encouragement for correct behavior. So the heart behind it, I think, if if we can step and go, okay, what's the principle here? The principle here is it's not. Um, I think, Becca, you may have said it earlier. It's not just about punitive, like, stop, stop, stop doing, stop doing, stop doing, stop doing, quit, 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 right. quit. It's, mm-hmm. hey, let's let's show you the way Replacement to, yeah. to what could be done here instead. Yeah. So you want to think about that replacement behavior. Sometimes in the moment, a redo works really well. And mm-hmm. it can, like, diffuse something. And it can be playful and it can be just a, and it is a consequence, by the way, which I think is why we need to talk about it. The actual act of redoing it is often the only consequence that is required in the moment because you have put them back on the track of correct action. Becca, I feel like you've got something really thoughtful to say here. What's on your mind? Uh, My mind is going a couple places, but I will keep it, I'll keep it tight. What I'm thinking when you're saying that is back on track is the goal. Yeah. And I think a lot of times as adults, we want kids to feel bad about whatever they've done. We yes. want that. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot to unpack there. I think it's how we were raised. I think it's how society teaches us. I think there's a lot wrapped up in that. But we want them not only to do the right thing, then we also want them to feel bad that they didn't do it in the first place. So if we can remove that pressure, like if we can remove that and they got to feel bad about it. Yes. I think that that gives us the freedom to be a little more creative with how we respond. Yeah. And I think that it takes the pressure off of us because that comes from a belief that that's the way kids learn. And we didn't go super into it, but there's just so much out there about the many ways that kids learn. And like Tana is saying, those muscle motor memory skills, those practical chances to try again and get it right. But like if your kid has, the train is off the tracks and they've gotten back on track, we can just keep moving forward with them. And then 
I kind of like to think about redos as practice inside the moment. And then we can practice outside the moment. When the train is back on the track and things are going great, we can revisit that behavior and we can say, hey, like you said, you know, hey, next time, what would you want to do different? And maybe we can practice it. Like you said, some kids, that's really shaming. Some, it's really helpful. I think that another thought that comes to mind in this conversation is that behaviors happen a lot of times when there is a, researchers call it a motivation deficit or a skill deficit. So as adults, a lot of times we assume that it's a motivation deficit. If we threaten you enough, you'll want to do right. Yep. But what we know to be true is that as kids are learning and growing, they're building so many skills. There's like so much that's happening in their little brains and their bodies. And so a lot of the time, especially if we're looking at like a repetitive behavior or something that's really tricky, if we can calmly take a step back outside the moment, go somewhere else, go sit on the front porch away from the kid and think for a second in a calm spot, what might they need? We might find that there's other things that we could change, that we could do to prevent this from just going and going and going and going. So I do think we've said this over and over, but like we're not here saying behaviors that are dangerous and hurtful should just continue. But we are saying we don't have to be the ones to make them feel bad. We don't have, that's not how we're going to, you know, that's not how we're going to move forward. And our goal is what you said, like when they're adults, Tana, we want them to come back to us. We want them to feel like there's an open door that they can come. And we want to model for them that we're learning too. And I think that's something like JD, you spoke about just like the shame of being a parent and the embarrassment and the, you're scared of what people are thinking about you. So I think we don't want that for, for the kids in our lives. Like we want them to grow up with a better self, you know, self image and self esteem and to be more confident. And so that was a little bit of a tangent there, Tana, but I think those are the things that come to mind when you're telling your story. Yeah. I mean, I, I love where you went. And I think we, before we hit record, you were, you said something that I was, I took notes. It was like super insightful. You said sometimes why we go to consequences mm-hmm. is because we struggle to hold a boundary without a threat. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so true, Becca. Like we're like, there's, we know, we know kids need structure. And boundaries, it's like helpful. So just to sort of throw out a little thing we talk about a lot is we need a balance of nurture and structure. Nurture helps kids trust. Structure helps kids grow. They need structure, but structure is can can be confusing. Mm -hmm. So if structures are boundaries and kids need boundaries, it is very hard to hold a boundary without a threat or a fear of consequence. We feel yeah. inadequately equipped with what to do instead. Yeah, I, I thought that was so insightful. For sure. And I think, you know, it's that's the question, right? When my kid is fill in the blank, when they're hitting their brother, you're saying, I can't scream across the room. If you continue doing that, you're going to lose TV for a month. Yeah, we are. But what we're not saying is you just let them keep hitting their little brother. Right, right. And so how, you know, and, and, and it's what you said, Tana, you have to know your kid. So you have to get to know the kid in front of you, get to know their buttons, what pushes their buttons, if you can speak to that, right? And how do you enter into the, the moment where they're hitting their brother? How do you stop that in the moment with your presence? And then how do you use your presence to help little brother feel safe, protected, and cared for, and help big brother feel safe, protected, and cared for. Mm-hmm. And lots of times we don't want, we want to help little brother feel safe, protected, and cared for, and we want big brother to feel shame and guilt. Yeah. And yep. so I think it's, you know, yep. how do we help reframe it in our own minds and how do we give ourselves the permission to be creative? I think if we gave uh, ourselves permission to be creative and we weren't scared of, well, they're just thinking I'm letting my kids run all over the place or they're yep. just spoiling yes. their kids. If yep. we could quiet that voice in our head, we could be more creative. Maybe big brother needs to go on a walk with me right now because they need to get this adrenaline out of their body. And we are going to stop them from hitting, but then I don't need to take, like, what does the TV have to do with anything? Like, why is that the consequence for that behavior? How is that teaching him how to manage? Maybe he was feeling jealous of little brother. There's something going on underneath. And so we just, you know, we started the podcast saying this, but it's so 
we want so badly for it to be like X, Y, Z, A, B, C. And it's just so much more complicated. And I know, you know, listeners out there are probably like, you guys are talking, Becca's talking in circles. And I am because we have to think in circles. We have to think around the issue. We have to think underneath of the issue. We have to go at, you know, from the side and from the top. And we just have to continue to show up for our kids with ourselves, with our presence and over time, trust that when we do that, like like you guys have both said, most of the time, right? Nobody's perfect. When we do that most of the time, we're creating a better environment for kids to grow in. And that's the hope, right? Like that's what we want for, for kids. I mean, I think you said something so insightful, which is like, we need to give ourselves permission to be creative, which is the part that was sort of hinting back, I think, to what JD and I were talking about. That's scary mm-hmm. because that is like, oftentimes reshifting an entire paradigm of thinking about how to manage behavior. You're telling me in the moment, if my kid is doing something that I they shouldn't do, isn't helpful, people might be watching, that I don't have to come down big and hard and heavy and punitive and shaming. I can say, I wonder what my kid needs right now and how can I meet that need and build that skill? Yeah, we are saying that actually. Because if we go back to we want to change the behavior over time, mm-hmm. not just stop the behavior in the moment. Okay, so let me, I, I want to make sure that we say this just before we we uh, close the episode down. So when we have, we'll just, I know we've talked about this a couple of times, but when we do our like long parenting course, parents come in in the beginning and it's like, ooh, we need to fix behaviors. We're like, we know, let's hold on a minute because we got to do a whole lot of digging to figure out what's going on in you, what's going on in your kid, what's going on in your past history, what's going on in their history, what's going on in your body, what's going on in their body. Like, (laughs) what are your feelings? What are their feelings? What are your motivations? What are their, I mean, there is like a lot of work to do. Right, right. And we are literally approaching like the last week of class. And we've asked so much of our participants to be patient with us. And we finally talk about consequences at the end. And here's why. When we come into parenting, we have just a few tools. And again, I think I said this at the beginning of the episode, often consequences is like kind of the only thing we know to do for behavior. And it's, to, I'm sorry, it's kind of easy and it is effective. We've acknowledged that. It often does stop the behavior. It often helps you in the moment, whatever. There's a million reasons why we would sort of go to consequences. But we want to think about building a whole lot of other skills in our, we want different strategies, different tools to support behavioral change, growth and development. Like we want to think about helping our kids grow into new behaviors, not to stop the current ones. So we, there are times that we do say, all right, here's when to use a consequence. And there's like a few little guidelines, if you will, to sort of consequencing. Again, please try to set them aside for a while and let yourself have the ability to grow in using some other strategies first. But we kind of borrow from Dr. Jane Nielsen, who has four R's for like, if you need to consequence. And I would say you do not need to consequence nearly as much as you think you do. And once you practice, I mean, I, I, we've been parenting, uh, 20 years and all I had at the beginning was consequences. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm not kidding y'all. And I'm not, I'm not a, a perfect parent. I please hope y'all know that by now. If y'all been listening for like half a second at all to any of our episodes, perfection is not the odd in your family goal. Okay. Just be in here. Like if I can just show up an adult, as we talked about every now and then I feel like I'm kind of winning, but I cannot remember the last time I gave a kid a consequence. And I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just saying, guys, there is a different kind of way. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Our kids are like pretty good kids. Like we are not dealing with a whole bunch of hard, 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 like we were at one point. So there is a way to be present, to support growth and development, to help your kids grow in all the ways you want them to. And consequences don't have to be used all the time, over and over and over again, is your only strategy. So here's the here are the four R's for when to use consequences or, or how to use them. And I would say this would be for something that's, you know, you you're trying and it is just repetitive behavior, and they they cannot stop. And you need a logical 
adult-directed consequence. So your first R is that the consequent needs to be related to the behavior or offense. So related. That goes, harks back to JD's example. If he was tipping in his chair and fell back and an adult came in and took his coffee pot away, not related. Or nice. Or or nice, (laughs) which goes to the next one, which is respectful. So it actually, your consequence needs to be related and respectful of the human being that is experiencing the consequence. Like, we do not have to go to shame and berating and punishment. It needs to be respectful. And when I think about respectful, I think it means I am, this consequence is part of my support plan. Mm-hmm. Because to respect them is to support them and to help them grow. And for this situation, in this moment, a consequence is a part of a larger support plan. Mm-hmm. We can talk about that maybe a little bit more in a minute if you think we need to. And then I would say reasonable, which kind of go. that's the, the third R, similar. Like you wouldn't take away, I think Becca, you gave an example when you said like, you when what, what was your example? Like if you fell back and hit your head, they would make you, what did you say? They took away my chair for a month. Right. That would be reasonable. Unreasonable. Like mm-hmm. they do not have to be grounded. You know, you're, 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 if your um, teenager makes a stupid decision on Friday night, okay, they don't have to be grounded for every Friday night until the end of this calendar year. Mm-hmm. That may not be reasonable. That's maybe overkill. Um, because if you are extending it beyond reason, by the way, if we go back to those connects, like if they feel that your kid doesn't actually feel connected to you until the end of the consequence. Mm-hmm. They're going to feel disconnected until consequence is over. So when you are putting a consequence out in front of them and it is long and harsh, you are extending very far out on that calendar reconnection, by the way. Right. Be conscientious of how long you want to stay disconnected from your kids. Think about reasonable and respectful as the length of punishment is the length of disconnection they will feel from you. Okay. Then the next R is revealed in advance. This one is so tricky because it means you don't have the freedom to get hot in the minute and threaten anything. Yeah. You don't have the freedom in the minute to get hot and like you do this or this buddy because you didn't tell them or this buddy yesterday or two hours ago. So if it's not revealed in advance and you lay it down, fractured trust, Guess what? They do not feel safe with you anymore because at any moment, the gavel will come out. You have all the control. You control every part of their life. They are walking on eggshells. They are just afraid of when you get hot and you threaten something in the minute. So you are no longer that relational safe, that felt safety place because you have the freedom to threaten or consequence them whenever you feel like it. Mm-hmm. So revealed in advance will almost stop you in your tracks for just probably about every consequence. So let me give you a few examples. If you have an older kid, we use this one a lot, like a cell phone contract. That's a good one. You have revealed in advance. You've said, we're giving you a cell phone. Here's the rules of engagement. You've told them how they can use it, what websites they can't get on, when they, you know, what they should and shouldn't text. They shouldn't use their phone while they're driving. Any number of like regulations around the use of the cell phone revealed in advance. If they break those um, those rules of the guidance for the cell phone, the cell phone contract, and you remove the cell phone from use, that's reasonable, related, respectful, and revealed in advance. Respectful depending on how long. Okay. But then I would like to say, can you... my it, If you do that, please let it be part of your support plan. Please go on to step two, which is I wonder why they did that. Mm -hmm. I wonder why this is hard for them. I wonder why they went to that website. I wonder why they were texting their friends that way. I wonder what else they need. I wonder what support they need. I wonder what stress they could be experiencing. I wonder what anxiety is going on. I wonder what social pressure is going on. I mean, get curious. So if you need to remove the cell phone, in the moment, please, that is not the end of the way to support the kid. Have the conversation, do the work, communicate, give them an opportunity for self-reflection. Give them an opportunity to think with you about what's going on in them. 
And then, you know what, let that time be short so you can get back to repair and they can get to you, like get to the good stuff with you. Um, there are a million of those with little ones, same kind of thing. You know, just, just be, be kind mm-hmm. in your consequences. Let your consequences come with kindness mm-hmm. and gentleness and love. And it is okay sometimes in the light, in the world of parenting to have a parent-directed logical consequence. But if you operate by those four R's, it's going to be tricky for you. So related, respectful, um, reasonable, and revealed in advance. Can I say one thing about re- revealed in advance? Yeah. yeah. It, it just allows you to deliver the consequence without so much emotion. So as the adult, when you've already had the conversation with the kid and they already know the expectation, and then you're having to deliver the consequence, they texted while they were driving, and so they can't have the phone for however long, you don't have to be big and emotional and like let your feelings cloud it. You can kindly say, oh man, we had agreed on this. And you can show empathy in that moment. And I think that that's what we're here for. We're here to stay connected while yeah. correcting. Um, and so I just think that revealing in advance is a huge game changer in the way that you can deliver consequences. Man, oh, that's, that's good. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah, Becca, like, I think that's huge. There's mm-hmm. also going to be situations where a behavior starts to get repetitive, like while you're together and you're seeing it and seeing it and you're attempting to redirect, you're attempting to be playful and just to kind of like, you know, sidestep these things and get them back on track and it's not working. And then like in that situation, revealed in advance doesn't mean you have to start a one hour timer where you say it and then you can't consequence them for an hour. Revealed in advance means when you stop what you're doing in that setting and you say, hey, I just want you to be clear. If this happens again, this will be the consequence in the situation. Here's why. And that way then, like you said, exact same after effect. It happens again. It allows you to be more empathetic even if you might have to grit your teeth in that empathy. Like, and then they are also, there's just a very clear consequence that was laid out in advance. They understood what happened. And, and you know, there, there can't be the same level of emotion from the kid either. Or like, you know, um, coming out. Yeah. Of it, so. I think in that same way, JD, and I know we need to, to, to wrap up in that moment with the kid that's like doing the action in the moment and you pull them aside so that you can reveal in advance. What I know you would do, but just so it's like super clear to our listeners, that's the moment when you need to figure out why the kid's doing it right now too. Like support, help them stop. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. don't leave them abandoned and stopping the behavior on their own. This is Bruce Perry. Kids do well when they can. Yes. They do well when they can. If Mm -hmm. if your kiddo is struggling in the moment, don't, I promise you, if they could stop doing the thing they shouldn't be doing on their own, they wouldn't be doing it. Like they probably Mm -hmm. need you. They probably need some help. Yeah. They need a drink or a snack or a different environment or a hug or like empathy. Hey, Bob, I can see you might be struggling over there in that social setting. Is something bothering you? Like, and then they're like, mommy called me, whatever. And then the tears come and you're like, oh, that's why they're beating the kid up in the corner over there because <laughs> they're feeling some yeah. feelings. Like, yeah. so just, yeah. you know, lay it out and then like pull them close right. and mm-hmm. say, how can I be an external support to you right now, because I know your sweetheart and I believe the best of you. And if you could do what is expected in this engagement, you'd be doing it. So you must be struggling. How can I help? That's good. And they'll usually give you everything you need to like help them do better and re-engage in a way that's successful. So yeah. Okay. Right. Thank you. Guys, thank you all so much for joining us this morning. And um, yeah, we will talk to you soon. Well, a huge thank you to both Becca and Tana for jumping on with us today to discuss consequences. It's obviously a, a vast topic within the world of parenting, and uh, we just started to scratch the surface today. So again, we will uh, broach this topic several more times in the next um, in the next few months, and just have uh, a, a wider look and a much more practical, specific look at consequences and how they're used. Uh, and so stay tuned for that. If, if you finished today and you thought, man, I need some more about consequences, yes, 
we do. And so that, just know that's coming. It is in our plans. We will bring you more on Consequences soon. Next week on the show, we've got a special treat for you. One of our favorite humans on earth, Darren Jones from the TCU uh, Karen Purvis Institute of Child Development will be joining us. Darren's going to talk with us about how uh, we can affect systems change and then how systems change on a um, big picture scale. Uh, as Darren does, if you've ever heard him teach before, he brings tons of personal examples, tons of examples from his work um, in, in his you know years and years of expertise in this field. And uh, it was just one of the most fun conversations that we've had uh, on the show. So you will not want to miss that. And that will air next Tuesday, uh, a week from today, if you're listening to this on Tuesday. And so for Kyle Wright, who edits and engineers all of our audio, for Tad Jewett, the creator of the music behind the ECC podcast for uh, Mo and Tana Ottinger and everybody here at ECC. I'm JD Wilson, and we'll see you next week on the Empower to Connect podcast.